you, you want to see something really scary? As a matter of fact, it was. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to episode 154 of the Grave Plot Podcast. I am Skeletoni. And I am Taylor of Terror. And uh, if we sound a little wonky to you guys, it's because we're doing that magical thing where we record uh, in two separate locations. So, uh, that magical thing called social distancing. Right. Uh, right now, Taylor and I are separated by approximately 30 miles because we don't want to get each other's dirty germs. I just want to be pure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guys, uh, coronavirus is among us, um, and everybody's locking down, battening down the hatches, as it were. Yeah, well, we're not in a in a official quarantine or or shelter in place, as it's being called. Uh, we we our our governor pretty much said, "I'm asking you, I'm I'm begging you, I'm doing everything short of demanding that you stay at home." Yeah, yeah, exactly. And everybody's really pissed off at him, too. It's like, hey, people are dickheads. Uh, so maybe you should just tell them what they need to be doing. Uh, but he's like, oh, oh no, drag my feet, buh, 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 buh. Yeah, he's trying to be good um, cop. Right. Yeah, and that that's kind of his, like, his M.O. But the like, problem is, want- Dow Constantine is also good cop. So it's like, somebody's got to be bad cop here. <laughs> right. Um, meanwhile, you know, uh, well, I mean, the whole country of Italy is on, on lockdown. New York's on lockdown. Yeah, New York California fucking is city on is on lockdown. Like, come on. Right. California's on lockdown. Just barely missed that because I was, I, I was down there. Um, and uh, that was weird. That was weird being away from home with something like this going on. Yeah, I was a little worried. I was like, what if Tony can't come home? <laughs> I that, I came home a day early, um, because I didn't want to risk getting stuck down there, and yeah. that was a fucking adventure. God damn! Like, let me tell you. Long story short, I'll never deal with Priceline again. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, um, well, here's the long story. <laughs> so, I flew down uh, on Thursday, and it was planning to come back on Tuesday. Um, I probably would have come back on Monday to begin with, but Tuesday was cheaper. Um, so anyway, I had this plan that was all, you know, I knew things were getting progressively worse. And like, while I was down there, it's like, I wanted to be there less and less, and, you know, Kristen's here at home getting worried, you know, and she's kind of holding down the fort by herself. Um, and so it comes around Monday and like all my family's leaving, like my, my mom and dad had left, my sister flew back. Um, every, all the other family that came into town uh, had already left. And so I was really the only one left there. So like, all right, well, I think I need to try and get out of here. So I had booked everything through Priceline. I got like a package deal with a flight and uh, a car. 
And so I'm trying to organize with them to try and fly home a day early. And um, I, so I, I would rather deal with Alaska because that's where I was flying through. So I uh, tried to change my flight on their website and they said, we can't change this one. Uh, you'll have to call our customer service line. So I'm like, all right, well, that probably has something to do with Priceline. So I called Priceline instead. And after waiting on hold, and finally what I thought was getting transferred to a um, uh, uh, an agent, uh, instead got this recorded message saying, due to you know uh, an unprecedented amount of calls, we're only able to service people that are flying in the next 72 hours. Keep in mind, I was flying in less than 24 hours. I said, so please call back when you're flying within 72 hours and just hung up on me. What? They just, yeah, they just hung the fuck up. Um, so I call, I just call Alaska and I'm on the phone with them for the better part of an hour. And, you know, that sounds like a nightmare and it kind of was, but she was actually trying to be helpful even after she had discovered that she wouldn't really be able to do anything because it was booked through Priceline. Um, so she's doing everything she can think of to try and help me and just basically coming up with nothing. Um, and meanwhile, I am messaging Priceline on Twitter because their Twitter account, their official Twitter account says, hey, if you need to contact our customer service and can't reach us on the phone, uh, send us a direct message on Twitter. So that's what I did. said, hey, I need to fly home a day early. Please help me change my flight. Can I go home on an airplane now? (laughs) (laughs) And it, it boiled down to, it got to the point where like, you know, I'm watching the news while I'm doing all, doing all this and just hearing almost hour by hour, things are getting worse. Like, all right, I'm just going to bite the bullet and buy a new ticket so I can fly home today. Um, so I did that. They were like, no, we're going to frame you for murder. But, um, no, I, I, I did end up flying home on Monday and then get this four days later on Thursday, uh, I get a message from Priceline on Twitter saying, can you please, (laughs) can you please tell me why you want to change your flight? Like, well, I wanted to change my flight four days ago, but you guys completely ignored me. So unless you, you that's why me, yeah, it's like, so unless you can offer me a full refund, I, you can do nothing for me. And they're like, oh, well, can I have your name and, and your uh, confirmation number? So I gave it to them. And then after, like, they ignored me for half an hour. Half an hour later, they finally messaged me back saying, uh, there's nothing we can do right now. You'll have to contact our customer service line. I'm like, fuck you guys. You were like, you can contact these nuts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway. So that was my fun trip to L.A. Um, I did manage to make it out to the Mystic Museum to see the Slashback video uh, uh, exhibit, which was pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, it looked pretty cool from your pictures. Yeah. You know, the concept is so simple. It's like, oh, we reproduced this this rental, this video rental store from the early 90s, late 80s. Um, And it sounds so simple, but... Like the the work that went into recreating it was like really cool, um, you know they went they got down to the point where they were like finding like these vintage like cardboard cutouts for like advertisements for like Pepsi and Doritos and stuff with like oh, nice. the Universal monsters on them and stuff. 
It's like, fuck, where did they find this stuff? <laughs> like, at old, old arcade machines and, um, yeah, just, like, the the detail that went into it. Like, the, 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 the attention to, like, there's just small little things. Like, they had, like, a um, even, like, a little candy machine. I uh, got, like, a quarter machine in there with, you know, old candy that looked like it was probably, like, several years old. <laughs> um, anyway. So that was fun. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah. Anyway, yeah. I mean, the, the, I don't. I don't think we recorded uh, yet. But my grandma, my other grandma, had died. Um, so that's why I went down there. Um, and so I mean, the, the trip wasn't all fun and games, but I did manage to get that squeezed into the festivities. So. Anyway, what's new with you, Taylor? Um, well, I've been spending all morning watching documentaries. Uh, That's fun. Yeah, I watched Wrinkles the Clown, which was interesting. Okay. But then I watched Tickled. Have you seen Tickled? this shit? Yeah. No, no. It's by David Farrier, the guy who did uh, Dark Tourist. I don't... Oh, okay, yeah. The Netflix show? Mm-hmm. And he he uncovered this competitive endurance tickling league. What and the he was fuck? Like, <laughs> he was like, well, I have to do a story about this because this is incredible. <laughs> oh, naturally. But then, like, he starts going down this rabbit hole of all these people who are like, yeah, these videos were never supposed to see the light of day. And I got all these threats from the people who made them. And they started, like contacting my football team and telling them this guy is a gay sexual predator and you don't want him on your team. And then they're like trying to find the guy who started all this and it's fucking wild. What in the fuck? Yeah, it's like this whole mafia thing. It's all about tickling. It's crazy. What? What is wrong with people? <laughs> <laughs> like, like... I mean, if, you know, everyone's got their fetish and that's fine, but it's like, why is it, why is there just this like dark underbelly to tickling? (laughs) (laughs) That's so fucking weird. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, yeah. Like that dark tourist show that, I mean, that was weird in itself. Yeah. Like, did I assume you saw the one where he went to New Orleans and he was trying to find the Dixie Mafia? I don't think so. I only watched a couple of them. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. He goes to Vegas, or not Vegas, um, New Orleans. I think it was during Mardi Gras. And he starts, like, there's this, there's this game. It's supposed to be like a life and death game, and it's supposed to be organized by the Dixie Mafia. So he tries to start finding out where he can play this game. And, um, yeah, he just keeps, like, getting deeper and deeper, you know, like, oh, you know, where can I, f- you know, who, who can I talk to to get involved with this and just talking to all these shady characters. And then he finally gets taken, like, into this room and this guy comes into the, like, he's standing in the shadows and he's carrying a baseball bat and he's just like, you're looking for this, I, I forget what the game was called, but you're looking for, you know, such and such game. It's like, get the fuck out of here. You don't want any piece of this. And if you come looking for us again, we're going to fucking kill you. It's like, wow. Well, this shit got real. (laughs) But, 
Um, yeah, that was wild, weird, wild stuff. There is crazy stuff in the shadows of the world. It's true story. Um, anyway. But yeah, so you've just been on lockdown mode for the last few days? Yeah, I'm uh, starting to work from home as of tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And uh, just, yeah, just hunkering down. Yeah, I've... Uh, so I've been working since I got home. So I worked home at home all week. Um, and that was mainly because... Uh, you know, I was in a very uncontrolled environment for the better part of a week. Um, it, uh, like, I was, you know, it, it, around family members that, you know, I don't know where they've been. I was in two airports, two times each. I was on two planes. And it's just a very uncomfortable situation. And it's like, I don't want to risk getting a bunch of people sick just because I was off gallivanting around in another state. So. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so I've been home for a week. And, you know, it's it's not like a full-on lockdown, you know, like like you said, we're not on the shelter in place like a lot of other places are. So we're still free to, you know, if we need to go to the store, we can. Um, you know, like right before we started recording, my wife and I just got back from getting coffee. It's like you can't go in, like, you can't go in the store but the drive through is still open. Um, but yeah, we had oh, to do my, like I was telling. God, uh, we had to do grab and go from the breweries. Like you, mm, you could yeah. order, you could order beer online and then just go pick it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, uh, my wife got a an email from The Rock yesterday. Wayne Johnson, like, yeah, man. <laughs> No, the P- I, I realize that that might be a, it's a regional place, right? Right. The I, I think so. Pizza? Yeah. Okay. Well, there's a place here. It's at least in Washington. It might be in Oregon too. I'm not sure, but uh, it's a pizza place. Um, and they sent an email. It's like if you if you or they're doing like to go drinks, so you can go and like get a bucket or, or yeah. something and take it to go. And like they're saying for every drink that you order. Um, they'll give you a roll to toilet paper. Jeez, <laughs> oh, it's like something I didn't even think of. My wife brought it up. Was that you know all these places, all these businesses, they've got they're stocked up on toilet paper and paper towels and stuff, and they've got no customers to use them, so they might as well just give them away. Yeah, looks like they're in Washington, Oregon, Colorado, and Texas. Okay, weird selection of states, but whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was telling you this before we started recording, but uh, my wife and I just got back from uh, a coronavirus testing site. Um, she, like she, she has asthma problems and a history of bronchitis, and she also has an autoimmune disease, so she's kind of at risk. So she wanted to go and make sure that she's okay because she's had this cough and she's had like a heaviness and in, in her chest and a shortness of breath. So she wanted to go make sure everything was okay, especially because her sister is, I think probably giving birth as we speak. Um, and, uh, just wanted to make sure everything was okay. And it was a weird setup. It was something like out of like a pandemic movie, like all these people in bunny suits, 
um, you know, drive around this maze. And then I was telling you, we like this local stadium slash event center, we actually drove through it. Like I thought we'd like drive around the outside or something, but no, we actually drove through the, um, it's called the Tacoma Dome. We drove through the middle of it to get tested. And it seriously looked like, um, you know, you think of like a horror movie where everybody's getting sick and they've made this like makeshift hospital and you've got all these people walking around in Tyvek suits and with, you know, masks and shit on. It was, it was like that. It was a very weird experience. Yeah, it sounds surreal. Yeah. <laughs> but and the test is, I mean, it's really quick. Um, basically, they just, they just take stick this, something up your nose, right? Yeah, but they stick it like all the way back to the back of your throat. Um so it was like it, she was the one getting it, and I it was unsettling to me to watch it. <laughs> Stick it all the way back in her back of her nose, and um, yeah. Anyway, coronavirus twenty twenty. <laughs> but yeah, guys, uh, through the miracles of technology, we cannot be stopped. We are bringing you a brand new episode of the Grave Plot Podcast. Um. Today, we're going to be talking about two brand new movies, but um, before all that, I want to thank some very special people, people that help us keep this show running. Uh, affectionately dubbed our grave diggers over on Patreon, they help support this show financially, um, help us keep the lights on, so to speak, um, and uh, we don't have an expensive show, but it does cost money, um, and uh yeah, so we want to have a special thanks to Kevin Nesgoda, Jordan Morrison, Kevin Trent, Carlos Rodella, The Horror Addicts, Max Zaleski, and Aaron Meyer. Thanks so much, guys. We really appreciate the help. Um, and, uh, yeah, all that. Taylor, if anybody else wants to join the party, where can they go? They can go to patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast. For as little as $1, you will eventually get video reviews. Tony. Hey, you know what? You know what? 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 We're on lockdown, so I got I got nothing but time. I got nothing but time. <laughs> you got no excuses anymore, too. So, yeah. Uh, I, 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 I mean, I, I have I have to work, so there is that. But aside from that, I ain't got shit to do. So, <laughs> so they should all be out by next episode, right? Totally. <laughs> I make zero promises. Uh, well, I promise. I want to get people in trouble. Well, I promise if you pledge $100, I will get a tattoo of a fat unicorn on my ass. I'll make him do it. I'll drag him kicking and screaming if I have to. It won't be very big because $100 doesn't get you a very big tattoo. But no, but like I said before, Matt seems very excited to do it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not the prospect of looking at your ass for at least an hour, but uh, just, you know. The, just the, the game of it, I guess. Yeah, the novelty. <laughs> right. Anyway, uh, anything else you want to chat about before we jump into things? I don't think so. All right. Well, let's just do some real... Nope. Uh, well, that's part of it. Let's do some horror business. <laughs> There's a guy across the street on his balcony. Should I go out and start singing to him? Hey, you know what? It might go well, or it might not. <laughs> this is America after all, and people don't like other people. 
Did you see the video of Pat Oswalt doing stand up from his uh, driveway? <laughs> from his driveway? <laughs> uh, no, I haven't seen that. And this little girl walks by and is like, "You suck." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I've seen, I think uh, it was, um, uh, uh, Trevor Noah. Um, he was doing, god damn, I can't remember what it was now. I, I can't remember if he was like trying to do a bit or if he was singing. Uh, but he was like standing on a balcony in the, in the middle of New York. <laughs> so obviously that went really well. But I had, like you know you see all these clips from Italy the people are on like serious lockdown in their apartments and you know playing music singing or, or whatever it's like I feel like we wouldn't be doing that here because we're Americans we're just hateful people no and somebody like, would come out and they'd be like shut the fuck up exactly <laughs> like god damn it shut up we're trying to sleep god damn it I'm eating pretzels. <laughs> Go back inside. <laughs> uh, two jokes in one bit. How about that? <laughs> All right. So, starting out in real world horror, we're gonna take a trip to Colorado, where I feel like we've talked about this kind of stuff a lot, and the fact that that's a, a fact uh, worries me. <laughs> It's a little troubling, yeah. It, it is troubling. But in Colorado, uh, a mother and daughter team who ran a funeral home uh, have been accused of illegally selling body parts. So there's that. Those aren't uh, yours to sell. May- no, they, those were not given to you. No. <laughs> they weren't donations. Yeah. That's like saying, hey, can you clean the... Hey, hey uh, rug cleaner, can you clean this rug? And they're like, all right, well, I'm going to take this rug. I'm going to give part of it to somebody else. (laughs) I'm going to take this big, fancy Turkish rug. I'm going to cut a little part of it out. And somebody can use it as an area rug. Uh, Megan Hess and Shirley Koch. or I don't know. There's like four different ways to say this last name. K-O-C-H. I know. Coke. Yeah, Koch, Coke, and and Cook is another one I've heard. Um, And cock. Cock. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Were arrested and charged with six counts of each of mail fraud. Mail fraud? So on top of... Mailing the body parts? I guess. I guess, yeah, I mean, and three counts of each of illegal transportation of hazardous materials, so I guess so. It's like, I'm just going to put this arm in the mail. Nobody's going to notice. Oh, honey, my balls are here. (laughs) Uh, Hess and Koch opened the Sunset Mesa Funeral Home in Montrose in 2009. That same year, Hess started a nonprofit donor service business that operated at the same location as a funeral home, according to the U.S. Attorney's Office. that, That already seems fishy. Right? Well, yeah. I, I would think. Like, I feel like just, you know, putting two and two together, that's like... Yeah, like, even if a they... A bit sketchy, yeah. Even if they weren't going to be malicious, it's like, well, you're going to mess something up. Just human error. <laughs> you're going to give the wrong body or body part to somebody, and then there's going to be a, a big ol' hullabaloo. 
Um, yep. <laughs> the, Hullabaloo. <laughs> that's the word I chose to use. <laughs> um, the donor service business would harvest human remains and sell them to customers who use them for scientific, medical, or educational purposes. Uh, what was the one in Return of the Living Dead? Uh, like, you need a medical supply or something like that? Something like that, yeah. Um, uh, they either donated entire bodies or body parts without authorization from the families. It just, you don't do that. No. I'm also confused because it, it goes back and forth between selling and donating. Well, I think they're taking donate. Wait. Uh, I think they would take donations. So people that were like donating their bodies or something. Maybe. I don't know. I wasn't there. This is all secondhand or third hand. Um, Hess and Koch used the funeral home to offer grieving families cremation services, but many never occurred, according to the press release. Uh, they also delivered the cremains to families with the representation that the cremains were that of the deceased, when frequently that was not the case. Probably like sand or something. Yeah, just like here, I've just been at ashing my cigarette into this urn for the past six weeks. <laughs> Have you ever seen cremated remains? Only of animals. Okay, I mean, they're not just like, just ash. I mean, it, it's actually, from what I've seen, it actually looks more like sand. It's very, uh, it's very grainy, because it's, it's really just bone dust, to be completely yeah. honest. Um, and there are big fragments that didn't get crushed down into dust. It's just, it's unsettling, especially when it's a loved one, but... Yeah, I mean that's 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 what you get. <laughs> um, but it seems like if you you could take a look at it and think, hey, I don't think those are human remains. But you know, who am I? I mean, there's a chance people didn't even look. They're just you know they got handed an urn and they were obviously distraught and everything. That's so they're just like, yeah, this is probably Grandpa. <laughs> that checks out. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that's like, this is going to do hell on their Yelp reviews, I think. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> uh, no, it's terrible. Like, I mean, it, it really makes you worry, especially if you have to one day, um, you know, carry out the final wishes of, of somebody that involves cremation. It's like, yeah, and it, it doesn't say it here, but they I read that they were making so much money off selling the body parts, so they must have been selling them, mm-hmm. uh, that they were able to offer their cremation services for cheaper, which thus got them more customers. Oh, neat. <laughs> you know, sometimes when you go to somebody, or a, a business that uh, is advertised as being like a bargain or just cheaper than all the rest... You should exercise a little bit of caution, I think. Yeah, but if it seems too good to be true, it usually is. Exactly. I'm usually, like, willing to pick... Like, if I'm looking at, like, a product, let's say a car, and, like, I'm looking at one place that has it for, like, more expensive than everywhere else, 
and then there's a place that has it less expensive than everywhere else, I'm probably going to pick like a couple rungs up from the bottom just to better assure myself that I'm not getting scammed. Well, yeah, if you go to the cheap place, next thing you know, you need a new Johnson rod. Yeah, and you know, you don't want that Johnson rod. <laughs> oh, yeah, Johnson rod. <laughs> That's going to cost you, uh, you know, a couple hundred bucks. Maybe. We'll see. That's that's only if I can get the part, you know? <laughs> you know, I got a special order it from Uzbekistan. Kuwait. <laughs> uh, and you know they got a war on right now, so... Um, yeah. Just, uh, you know, do your dil- due diligence, guys. Don't go for the bargain really. place and, you know... Read Yelp reviews. I'm, I'm pretty sure we talked about this on the show when it when it was first kind of floating around. But there's sounds like rumors and, and murmurs. Right? Yeah, we talk about dumb shit. Uh, there's been <laughs> there's been murmurings about a, a new Scream movie coming out, and it turns out that it has officially gotten the green light. Uh, it was oh yeah, this was originally discussed back in September, so you know I can't remember that far back. That's ancient history. Hey, you know what? We're in the middle of a crisis. Things are weird. Like I don't remember yesterday, dude. I was listening to our old episode and just like. What had changed from when we recorded to when the episode came out? We sounded so fucking stupid. Because uh, we're like, oh, yeah, you don't need to quarantine. Whatever. Did we say that? I don't think we said it as that explicit. But it, we basically made it sound like less of a deal than it ended up being. Uh, well. But we did say, you know, take it seriously and wash your damn hands. Sure. Which, you know, still do that. Yes, yeah, please do. And, you know, stay away from people. Yeah, social distance. Do it. A disgusting film is reporting that Matt Bettinelli Open and Tyler Gillette, the two directors of last year's Ready or Not, which we still have not seen, (laughs) uh, will be directing Scream 5. (sighs) Bettinelli, Open, and Gillette make up two-thirds of a filmmaking collective known as Radio Silence, who may sound familiar because they did a, a segment of VHS called 1031-98, and they also did the opening and closing segments of Southbound, which we did review on the show. Mm. All right. Uh, the other member of Radio Silence is Chad v- Villela, who is uh, going to executive produce alongside Kevin Williamson. Are you sure it's Williamson not VA, yeah? No, I'm not. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> that's it's probably like that. Yeah, probably says that, that's probably how people know him. He's, when people are like, "Is it is it pronounced Vieja?" and he's like, "No, it's Vieja." <laughs> he, he specifically wants it pronounced like that. <laughs> you have to put the accent on the first on the second yeah yeah. Yeah, and you have to raise the roof when you say it. <laughs> Uh, Kevin Williamson 
uh, wrote three of the first four Scream movies. He also wrote I Know What You Did Last Summer. So mm. he's a good guy to have on board since he can't have Wes. Yeah. But I mean, do we really need this? Oh, no. There's like a certain point in every man's life where you have to say, maybe I don't need to make another sequel. You you would think. <laughs> you would think. Uh, plot details plot details are scarce, but sources say it will follow a woman returning to her hometown to try to find out who has been committing a series of vicious crimes. Mm. Do you think it's Nev Campbell? I mean, it could be Nev Campbell. She's all like, what a great party of five. <laughs> uh, my wife and I have been watching Boy Meets World. Um, and it's kind of a new experience for me because I never really watched it when it was new. And I was telling you this, the show was like so tone deaf. It's like shocking. But um, they did this one episode where they goofed on scream and like all the the teen horror movies that came out and the i remember that episode yeah and like jennifer lip hewitt showed up and like uh they got a phone call um from the killer and they're like oh it's like that one movie with that one chick from party of five and uh it was funny because they were talking about nev campbell but it but it's jennifer lip hewitt they were both on party of five Right? Ha 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 ha! Yeah, it's a lot of the jokes, they're just like stupid. But, you know, they have that canned laughter, so it's like, oh, it sounds funny. <laughs> oh, they laugh, so I better laugh. <laughs> Nev Campbell was on Party of Five, right? Now that I'm saying that, it doesn't sound right. Nev Campbell was. I'm not 100% sure Jennifer Love Hewitt was. I'm about 90% sure she was. Wait, no, that's the new... That's possible. I never watched it. Did you know they remade Party of Five? They have a new one on? What? Yeah. It's on uh, Freeform. And it's like... But why? I I don't know. I I don't know, Taylor. (laughs) I don't have the answers. It's like remaking 30-something. Why would you do that? Oh, because all the people that... uh, You have a whole new generation... Uh, that have been born since of 30 somethings. <laughs> they have a whole new generation of that have, of people that have been born since that show went off the air. So it, it can be a brand new market to tap with using the same shit they've already aired. Uh, yeah, Jennifer Love Hewitt and Lacey Chabert. Oh, Lacey Chabert was on there too. Yeah, I remember her. But anyway. Anyway, uh, according to Bloody Disgusting, Spyglass will be developing the film and production companies Radio Silence, Outer Bank Entertainment, and Project X Entertainment will be behind the film, uh, targeting to begin filming in May. (laughs) But maybe not. Which, yeah, probably not at this point. (laughs) Man, things are just shutting down left and right. I'm kind of uh, of worried about the next year or two. Me too, man. Because, I mean, it's like, you know... Uh, this episode we were supposed to watch Quiet Place too, but yep. obviously they got that got nixed because you can't see anything in the theater anymore. Um, and uh, but I mean, not only that, but 
TV productions have shut down. Film productions have shut down. Um, yeah, Stranger Things shut down. Yeah, so it's like I don't. And I mean, like, it's fine if we can't go see a movie in a theater because there are plenty of independent films that we can we can watch on VOD. But if those independent films aren't getting made either, <laughs> then we have an issue. Yeah. But. And I mean, you know, a bunch of stuff is just getting dumped on VOD because they need to recoup the money somehow. So I don't. We'll see how much how long that trend lasts. But. Yeah. And by the, speaking of that, fucking Universal putting out was hide and seek. Um, uh, the Invisible Man and Emma. They put it with the convenience of VOD. The Hunt. Sorry, what did I say? Hide and seek. You said hide and seek. Right. Yeah, sorry. The Hunt. Uh, they put out the Hunt, the Invisible Man, and Emma on VOD for the low, low price of twenty dollars, which is more than you'd spend in a theater to see the movie. And it's like really, all all you're doing is like helping Universal. Which is, mind you, owned by Comcast, which is like one of the biggest conglomerates in the world, helping them maintain their profits. So you're paying double the price so you can see their fucking movie so they don't lose money. And you know what I say to that, Taylor? I say, fuck that. You say nay. Yes. (laughs) I say, not today, Universal. Not today, Satan. That's the next documentary I want to watch. Is it's called Hail Satan, and it's just like about the Satanic Temple and there how that uh, I think it was Ohio or something put like a big Christian statue at their government building. So the Church of Satan was like, well, then you got to put up one of ours too. Mm. Mm-hmm. And they put up like a big Baphomet statue. <laughs> yeah, I remember the news about that. <clears throat> well, neat. So we'll see what goes on in Hollywood for the next year to two years okay. hey disney just put new mutants on vod just, yeah. just do it because that that movie's never gonna fucking come out in theaters yeah just I figure it out i don't know why they won't just put it on like disney plus at this point yeah it's like fucking come on <laughs> do Get it something do out it, of it. <laughs> come on do it <clears throat> cool so we'll see if this new screen movie ever actually happens. Uh, so Blumhouse and Universal. Is, is just like uh, a pear from hell. It's like, um, oh, I don't know. Nuts and gum together at last. Sure, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Blumhouse... You know, they've been talking, you know, they have an exclusive thing with Universal going on, um, and they've been talking about uh, wanting to do, uh, remake all the uh, uh, Universal Monster movies. They're already starting with The Invisible Man. Uh, They've been talking about doing Dracula, um, and I guess even Frankenstein, 
um, to an extent. Um, well, it seems and they're like, doing something with James Wan too, right? Which is, man, like just awful, awful things. Like Universal, Blumhouse, and James Wan. How much worse can it get? <laughs> I mean, are you gonna hire like fucking Michael Bay as producer or something? As long as he's not directing. I guess. Anyway, so Blumhouse is uh, moving forward with Dracula, which just fills me with dread. I've talked about my um, my passion for Dracula. Um, they've hired a director uh, named Karen Kusama, who directed The Invitation and Jennifer's Body. Um, I don't think that I've seen The Invitation. Have you? It... Uh, no. It, it got negative uh, reviews on Gigi Guerrero's Instagram stories. <laughs> oh, well. Well, there you go. Uh, can't even place this. Tom Hardy. No, not Tom Hardy. Oh, the guy that looks like Tom Hardy. <laughs> uh, I don't... I can't even place this. I don't think I've ever even heard of it. I mean, the name is familiar. But I've I... heard. Of, I've heard of it. I can picture the the poster in my mind as like a wine glass, but yeah, huh. yeah, I never saw it. Oh, and then there's Jennifer's body, and that was awful. Um, but she's that going was to not be very good. No, it's not very good. And you know, it's it's like getting this newfound love. It's like Halloween three, where suddenly these people are coming out of the woodwork. And hey, hang on, all right, hang on. <laughs> well, let's. I'm just using that as example. I mean, you know how I feel about Halloween 3, but I'm just using it as an example. And you know how I feel about Halloween 3. I know how you feel about Halloween 3. (laughs) But Halloween 3, historically, has been recognized as a shitty movie. Nowadays, people are saying, you know what? Halloween 3 is not that bad. Uh, and And now, same thing's happening with Jennifer's body. And I don't understand why. I don't know if it's like uh, this generation of wokeness that's like saying that just forgiving the fact that it like it's supposed to be like some female empowerment and they're just like forgiving the fact that other than that it's a completely awful movie or or, or what like <laughs> um like I, I just watched it recently so i'm not even going off of like old memory i saw it recently and it's still bad and i, I can't we reviewed it recently <laughs> was it was it recent uh no i guess it was last february so it was a year ago that must have been why I watched it. I don't, I don't know why you would watch it again. <laughs> Neither would I. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, but she's directing the new Dracula. That's going to be set in the modern day. So, you know, that always goes really With well. cell phones. Yeah. You know, technology. Um, how many Draculas set in the modern day have they made in the last, like, five years? Ten years. Fourteen. Even? Fourteen. Fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds right. Sure. I have no idea if that's true. <laughs> yeah, but they've made, like I'd say in the last 10, 15 years, they've made a lot of Dracula movies that have taken place in the modern day. Most of them have been completely awful. Um, or, you know, varying levels of awful, I guess. Right. <laughs> so, you know... 
it, it, it's like uh, I think of that episode of Arrested Development where Tobias is like telling Lindsay, it's like, you know, a lot of people, they go to marriage counseling because you might save their relationship. Uh, and Lindsay says, well, does that ever work? And he's like, no, never. But it might work for us. <laughs> it's, it's like that same mentality. It's like even though all of these movies in the past have been awful, maybe we can make a good one. And I'm telling you now, you cannot. <laughs> uh, the script is going to be written by frequent Kusama collaborator, collaborators Matt Manfrediti, or Matt, or sorry, Matt Manfredi and Phil Hay. Don't know those bitches. Um, Blumhouse Productions, which helped kickstart the new monster movie line by making The Invisible Man for only $7 million, is in the midst of setting up the vampire thriller and is producing. I can't wait to see a Dracula movie only made for $7 million. That'll be oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, the project isn't housed at Universal yet, and technically it could be made at another studio because Dracula is public domain. That I did not know. But yeah, now that I been, do know it. We could have been making Dracula movies this whole time. <laughs> we could have been making our own terrible Dracula movies set in the modern day. <laughs> With cell phones! <laughs> You mean we could have been doing that the whole time? The whole time! <laughs> uh, let's see. Blumhouse is a first look deal with Universal. Oh, God, I, say, <laughs> I said exclusive, but it's just first look. Um, and Universal isn't about to let one of its iconic monsters escape the fold. Um, Universal execs are telling filmmakers that storytelling is the star. Uh, it's the best idea wins approach, says one producer. And they are having the filmmakers find individual stories. Yeah, so basically when they wanted to do this whole dark universe thing, they were like, it's going to be very actor-driven, and we're going to have Tom Cruise and Johnny Depp, and but the movies are going to be shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now they're like, well, what if we make good movies with people no one knows? And everyone's like, <laughs> why weren't you doing that the whole time? <laughs> Although, like, The Invisible Man, like, I haven't seen it. People swear up and down that it's good. I don't believe it. <laughs> um, I mean, I'll probably see it eventually when I don't pay $20 for it. Right. Um, but uh, I just, you know, as time goes on, like, I want to have more faith in Blumhouse, and I just find myself uh, having less <laughs> Because, I don't know. Maybe it's that I have less faith in horror fans. Because <laughs> I see, like, a lot of people who normally I would, like, respect their opinion uh, saying that bad movies are good. And it's like, no. No, guys. I mean, you're entitled to your opinion, but you're wrong. Right. <laughs> Anyway, so get ready for Blumhouse to ruin Jack Dracula for a new generation. <laughs> get ready for Dracula 2020. <laughs> With cell phones. Can't forget those cell phones, guys. Make sure you get a close-up on the he'll, cell phone. He'll take a selfie. Yes. He'll take a selfie and there won't be anything there. <laughs> and make sure you use the Snapchat filters. Those are so hot right now. TikTok, you guys, you've heard of the TikTok. Hashtag Dracula. 
OMG, hanging out with vampire. LOL. <laughs> hashtag no reflection. Hashtag Dracula. <laughs> hashtag no reflection. <laughs> hashtag blah, blah, blah. while back, Konami was working on a game called P.T. They released a little teaser. Everyone was very excited about it. It had Norman Reedus in it. And uh, then it just kind of went away. Yeah, it was the weirdest thing. Like, they canceled the game, but there was still... uh, The the P.T. actually stands for Playable Trailer. It was supposed to be a Silent Hills game. Or the game was called Silent Hills. And PT was like a playable trailer for the game. And it was online for, I don't know, like a couple weeks. And a lot of people were able to download it and play it and said it was amazing. And then suddenly they're like, okay, we're not making this anymore. Bye. And the game was just gone. (laughs) Yeah. Well, according to a new report, Konami and PlayStation are currently working together to revive Hideo Kojima's canceled Silent Hills game. Uh, PlayStation is reportedly trying... (laughs) Why do you say that? Oh, because Kojima and Konami did not part ways amicably. Well, according to these reports, PlayStation is trying to mend the relationship between Kojima and Konami uh, to resurrect the project due to the massive amount of buzz and demand that the game still carries to this day. Massive seems a bit hyperbolic, yeah, I'd say massive, you know, five years ago, sure. Yeah, but, and I'd uh, say, yeah, there's there's still there's still a certain amount of buzz, but uh massive seems seems a little overkill. Yeah, and like I don't even know if I'd use the word buzz. I'd say, hey, people remember that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you bring it up and someone's like, Yeah, that was cool. Right, exactly. Uh it's not a done deal yet, but presumably it's a matter of if, not when. And uh, PlayStation and Konami are already working on a Silent Hill reboot, which is it is a new thing, is rebooting video games now. Yay! Well, you know, they did so well with uh, the, the Resident Evil games that, you know, fuck it, why not? Yeah, it's just... We're, we're out of ideas, so we'll just reboot all the old games. I do have to say, though, those Resident Evil games look fucking amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't played them, but just watching, like, gameplay trailers and stuff, they look pretty damn good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Yeah, that. Like, from that show. Yeah. Uh, sources say that while the game will not be... Nece- uh, it won't, won't be necessary to be played with VR, it will make use of the next-generation PlayStation VR headset... For PlayStation 5. Similar to Resident Damn. Evil 7. Uh, Sony has not... pitched the idea. What? I say I still have not played that with a VR headset. Mainly because I don't want to get pink eye. Well, that's that's a valid reason. <laughs> but if you did, you'd probably be eyes. all like, what? Yeah, probably. Like, oh my god! So cool! <laughs> so cool, you guys! 
<laughs> uh, Sony has pitched the title as a choose-your-own-adventure game in the vein of Until Dawn, and they are apparently offering Kojima full creative freedom like he had on Death Stranding. Also okay. featuring Norman Okay. Reyes. I'm kind of on board with that. <laughs> Could be cool. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, like Silent Hills. I remember when they when they dropped the the trailer and and PT. Um, I never actually got to play PT, so I was very jealous of the people that did. Um, but you know, watching gameplay and watching what they did have <laughs> looked fucking awesome. Um, yeah. So you know, they're saying that this is going to be. Similar to Until Dawn, which is an awesome game, um, and they're giving Kojima, uh, you know, you know, basically handing him the wheel. Then uh, I'm, I'm I'm all for this, like assuming it does happen. Well, fingers crossed, because there's if there's one thing they can still make, it's probably video games, right? Because you can do that at home. Yep. Wash your hands, guys. Hey, Taylor, remember the 80s? Yeah. Weren't the 80s cool? Back before we had coronavirus. Yeah, man. And we didn't have to worry about... uh, uh, you know, st- stuff. <laughs> I don't There's still plenty of stuff to worry about in the 80s. Sure. But was it as scary? <laughs> Did you have so as much existential dread? Well, no, but I was also five. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, something that came out of the 80s, uh, pretty much right after... It was right after... Ghostbusters 2, right? It was uh, from September 13th, 1986 to October 5th, 1991. Okay, so way before Ghostbusters <laughs> 2, right? Because that came out in, like, what, 90? No, 80-something. God damn it. doesn't matter. Real Ghostbusters was a cartoon that came out around the time of the Ghostbuster films. Um, they were kind of tenuously connected. Like, Ghostbusters 2 came out in 89. 89? Okay. Um, so, yeah, this definitely came out before then. Um, it was... Uh, yeah, like I said, it was it was kind of loosely tied to the, to the first movie. Um, in that the characters were the same. Yeah. Was, was Very this, little else. Yeah. Was this based... On a com on the comic book, or did the comic book come afterwards? I'm not sure. I know they had to call it real Ghostbusters because there was already another cartoon called Ghostbusters that had nothing to do with the movie. Right. It predates the movie. <clears throat> yeah. Well, um, anyway, so the guy that wrote the real Ghostbusters uh, wants to revive the series. Uh, a man by the name of J. Michael Straczynski. Um, he tweeted out, "Hey, Jason Reitman, saw the video of you and Ivan Reitman at the Hasbro Hasbro relaunch. Yeah, Hasbro relaunch of Real Ghostbuster toys. Wouldn't this be a great time to bring back TRGBS? New animation, that. live action, 
Puppets? Hand shadows? Semaphore? Hello? Is anyone there? Is this thing on? Bueller? (laughs) So it sounds like he's really excited about maybe bringing back his favorite cartoon. Because he worked on it. (laughs) Or Um, is he just looking for a paycheck? Yeah. Uh, Straczynski wrote a whopping 21 episodes of the real Ghostbusters and worked on, worked as a story editor during seasons one and two. Uh, real Ghostbusters ran from September 13th, 1986 to October 5th, 1991. It had the voices of Lorenzo music and Dave Coulier as Peter Venkman. Um, How did I never know that? I, I knew Lorenzo music did it. Um, because he also did Garfield, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Because you could watch it and you totally hear Garfield. Oh, yeah, definitely. Which is funny because Bill Murray played Garfield in the live action Tale yeah, of Two exactly. Kitties. I've always thought that was... Yeah, he did Yeah, he did Garfield. Yeah, and I always thought that was really funny because... I mean, well, exactly what you said. I don't need to repeat it. Um <laughs> Uh, but I don't. I don't remember Venkman ever being like, "Cut it out." <laughs> what if Peter Venkman just showed up on an episode of Full House? <laughs> the trumpet of Dave Coulier. <laughs> uh, and then you know a bunch of other guys. Arsenio. Uh, yeah, Hall Arsenio Hall. <laughs> Arsenio Hall did Winston. Apparently, how did I not know that? Yeah, and and Frank Welker, also known as Scooby Doo, did Ray Stance. <laughs> also played Abu in Aladdin. Oh uh, yeah, I guess somebody had to play Abu. Say <laughs> somebody did. Abu. Yeah, because he was like, <laughs> right? Yeah, that whole thing, the whole monkey thing. Yeah, he did it in the cartoon and the live action. Oh, did he? I didn't know that. Yeah. I haven't seen the live action because no. It's 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 okay. The live action Lion King sucks. I've heard it's not good. Like she's pointed out that you when you have, you know, quote unquote real animals, you can't get these facial expressions. Mm-hmm. And so so they're not emoting the way that they should in the cartoon. Right. And so it just looks like you're watching wildlife <clears throat> video with voiceovers. Yeah. Yeah, I mainly won't see Aladdin because uh, I really don't like Will Smith. It took me a while to, like, start being like, okay, this is a different genie. This is not the Robin Williams genie. It's a different take on genie, but with a lot of the same jokes. So it's basically the same genie, just with a worse actor playing. Played differently. (laughs) Also, Louis Tully was played by a guy named Bumpus. <laughs> Damn you, Bumpus! Bumpus is! Bumpus is! Oh, classic. <laughs> anyway, so maybe the real Ghostbusters will get remade. I don't know. Probably Because they could still make cartoons. They can, they can still make cartoons. Because you can do it at home. <laughs> We're all gonna die So let's get high We're all 
Alright, in another franchise that should probably just stop. They're making a new Final Destination movie. Oh, for fuck's sake. Uh, this is coming from Patrick Melton and Marcus Dunstan, who wrote some of the Saws. I don't remember which ones. The bad ones. Uh, they also did the the Collector movies. The col- Oh, did they? I didn't know that. Yeah. I think I, I saw the first two. I didn't see the third one. Yeah, same here. Let's see. They did four, five, six... And seven of Saw. So yeah, the bad ones. But they also did Feast. Yeah, but you know, just because they did one good thing doesn't mean they set like this precedent of doing good things. Yeah, because they also did Feast 3. I don't even remember Feast 3. Feast 3 is the one that ends with a giant robot coming out of the sky. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, those movies just got progressive. <laughs> For literally no reason. <laughs> yeah. Those got progressively, like, more nonsensical. Yeah. First one's great, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Series producer Craig Perry says, We're toying with having it take place in the world of first responders, EMTs, firemen, and police. These people deal with deaf, 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 most deaf. People deal with death on the front lines every day and make choices that can cause people. Most deaf is probably going to be in it. Yeah. <laughs> um, we rely on their good judgment, expertise, and calm demeanor. So why not put those people in the nightmare situation where every choice can bring about life and death, but now for themselves? We're thinking that world might be an interesting way into a Final Destination movie, and one which can also generate unique set pieces in a very credible way. We think that world might be an interesting world to exploit <laughs> for our purposes. Well, I mean, series creator Jeffrey Reddick says that the concept behind it is unique. I think reboot is probably too strong of a word because reboot is not a word. (laughs) Reboot (laughs) is probably too strong of a word. It makes it sound like they're going to change everything, but it's definitely a Final Destination movie. Craig is the master of coming up. If they don't call it like Final Destination 20 or whatever the fuck it is, then it's probably a reboot that they're trying to slip past us. I mean, this is this is seven, right? Probably. That sounds right. Because I think there was one through five, and then there was the final destination. Right. Uh, Craig is the master of coming up with crazy openings and set pieces. He told me a couple of things that happened in this one, and it's going to be a lot of fun. It's not going to feel like a cash grab final destination film. Sure, it's not going to feel like a cash grab. Sure, Red Dick. Pretty much all of the sequel. Pretty much all. What? So whatever you say, Red Dick. Red Dick? Oh, Red Dick. Got it. Yeah, like the guy? Like his name? Yeah. Yeah, you got it. I thought this was some new cool insult I wasn't getting. Like, Whatever, yeah, Red, Dick. People Red Dick. <laughs> <laughs> um, all the sequels felt like cash grabs. Because they were. I mean, that's why you make sequels. <laughs> it's not, uh, yeah. 
Like genuinely, unless you have like the exact same person working on it, or like exact same people working on a sequel, it's a cash grab. It's not like you're saying, "Oh, I feel like there's more of the story to tell." That's fucking horseshit. <laughs> and I, I, Final Destination is one of those franchises that did the same thing that Saw did, where it fell into this, you know, uh, routine of just like, "Oh, we're just gonna do what worked. We're gonna have these crazy deaths, these Rube Goldberg machines of death." Yeah. And, and and then just have some you know limp dick story around him, mm-hmm. some red dick story. <laughs> <laughs> no one cares about story in those movies. Just give them the traps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like the whole uh, like in the Saw movies, the whole concept of Jigsaw really became secondary. When that was like what made the first one good, yeah, um, yeah. I don't even know where the traps came from in Saw, and yeah, we're getting kind of off subject here, but like the first one didn't have traps. It had the reverse bear trap, but that was like the only one. Was that in the first one? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, I guess it was. Um, yeah, but yeah, you know, that was the only one. And it wasn't this big, like you said, a fucking Rube Goldberg machine of death. No, that was more for Final Destination. Oh, sure. But how they always, they're like, oh, he might die this way, but then he's going to die a completely different way. And wait till you see how he gets there. Yeah. But I mean, like, I think uh, the same thing qualifies for the Saw movies. Well, sure. It's like watching uh, like pa- the... Uh, the breakfast montage or the be- breakfast scene in Pee Wee Herman, except you know somebody dies at the end. Yeah. Uh, Perry does tease. I don't think anybody will look at a revolving door in the same way again. Is he going to kill somebody in a revolving door? I, I, yeah, probably. <laughs> Which I think I mean, most of us have that fear already, right? Like, sure, we've yeah. all thought that. Yeah. But I mean, unless somebody's gonna like slam down on you with like, like thousands of pounds of pressure, you're gonna be fine. Like I said, it's gonna be some kind of you know series of unfortunate events where somebody ends up getting killed in a revolving door in a way that you wouldn't expect, right? Because death does things with a lot of panache. Most death. <laughs> Most deaf is going to play the personification of deaf. Wasn't that Tony Todd before? No, he was just the coroner. But I thought the whole, that was like an underlying thing, was he was supposed to be deaf. Just silly. Don't be stupid. That's just something people say. (laughs) Alright. Alright, guys. That's the end of Horror Business. We made it. And, uh, Hooray. yay. So we're just going to press along, press, that, that's not right. Press along. That's not something some people say. Pressing right along. No, press on. <laughs> press on. <laughs> Man, quarantine is really fucking with my brain. I tell you yeah, what. You got cabin fever? I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> uh, okay. Anyway. Let's do some film reviews.
All right, everyone. So we have two films to talk about today uh, that have nothing to do with each other. No, nothing at <laughs> Especially all. Especially because the second one wasn't, or one of them wasn't audible. Um, of course, not that the original two had anything to do no, with each other either. Yeah. So. It was just a mishmash. <clears throat> anyway, so today we're going to be talking about uh, uh, v- uh, Joe, Joe Bagos' new film, uh, VFW, and uh, the, the other one. <laughs> I forget who directed it. <laughs> Uh, Ant Timpson Ant Timpson That guy And uh, stars Elijah Wood And it's called Come to Daddy Come to to Daddy (laughs) Daddy, Come to Daddy (laughs) Alright Taylor which one do you want to start with Let's start with Come to Daddy Yeah It's me Norm, I got your letter. I never thought I'd see you again. For how long have it been? A long time. A long time, yeah. I realize I know nothing about you. Boy, your mom really doesn't talk about me, does she? Oh, really? <laughs> Dad, he's he's not how I imagined him. He's not used to having people around. Dad, why did you ask me to come here? I don't want to discuss it. I need to know why you sent that letter. I gotta take a crowd. What's happening? You got no idea what's happening here. I could see the look in your Ever been in a fight? I once kicked the guy's ear off. I got this theory. Bad guys have eyes that look like razors. You have to kill him? I'm not a murderer. You just killed somebody five minutes ago. Who knows? Maybe we'll end up being best friends. Come here! Come to daddy! You know what she said? She said, come to daddy. Come to daddy. <laughs> Alright, <clears throat> so come to daddy is a, a new film from Aunt Timpson. Uh, say it's 2019, but it, it just came out like I'm going to judge this by, like, when you can actually watch it. Just because it debuted at Tribeca last year doesn't mean we could actually watch it. Yeah, that's valid. (laughs) Like, so I don't give a fuck when you started showing your posh little group of friends your brand new movie. (laughs) Anyway, so this movie stars uh, Elijah Wood uh, and Stephen McCaddy. Uh, Weird, weird thing that this isn't a uh, Spectrevision film. 
I kind of just... yeah. There's there's a lot of of studios going on in the credits, and I kept waiting for Spectre Vision's logo to pop up. Right, and it's spun like it was funded by partially by New Zealand Film Commission. It's like was this filmed in New Zealand? I I think it must have been right. I mean, I guess it would seem very weird for them to just give us give them not give us give them money for uh, for no reason. All right. <clears throat> um. Anyway, unless, like, maybe Ant Timpson, maybe he's a Kiwi. Yeah, he is. So that I was, guess that it was explained. filmed in Vancouver. Film, filmed in Vancouver? Yep. It took place in Oregon, so I guess that makes sense. Oh, Ant Timpson. Yeah, as soon as it... Directed the Greasy Strangler. Okay. <laughs> and Turbo Kid. That makes it even more surprising it's not Spectre Vision. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I don't... I don't understand... Whatever. Anyway, so come to Deity. Um, come to Deity. <laughs> tells the story of one Norval Greenwood, played by Elijah Wood. Um, and he just looks like a total fucking creep. He's dressed like David Rose from Schitt's Creek. Yes. Yes, exactly. He looks like some douchey Manhattan art student. Um, he's even got that like stupid like Amish hat that all the... All the fucking pretentious assholes wear. Mainly yeah. women. And I, it, it, it blows away and he's just like, oh, fuck that hat. He's <laughs> like, I'll just get another one when I get back to New York. Actually, Beverly Hills. I and guess he's got like the, he lives. he's got the Oliver Tree bowl cut. Yeah. <laughs> this fucking pervert mustache. Yeah. She's walked in while I was watching it and she immediately thought he was the bad guy. because She was just like, oh, he's creepy with a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Norval, he is a uh he calls himself a musician. Um sounds like he's like a, a wannabe DJ. Um Am I a DJ? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Am I a singer? Yes. Do I tickle the ivories? Yes. Right. Oh my god, I wanted to punch him in the face so much when right. I was saying that. <laughs> I'm gonna fucking rip that mustache off your face. <laughs> Um, so he lives a, a very comfortable life with his mom in a Beverly Hills mansion, which, you know, lead, which informs his lifestyle. Um, uh, he gets a letter from his from his dad, who he hasn't seen since he was five years from old his when daddy. he ran out. What? From his daddy. He gets a letter from his daddy. Um <laughs> Uh, who ran out on him and his mom when he was five years old. So he's, he claims he's 35 now. I think Elijah Wood's closer to 40, if, if not 40. Um, but whatever. Um, Acting. <laughs> uh, he's 39. So, 39, okay. So he makes uh, he takes a journey to Oregon in the middle of fucking nowhere to visit his dad at his uh, beachside property. And it's weird because he gets off the bus and he starts walking through the woods. Not on a trail in the woods, mind you. Just he walks into no. the woods. And then he just walks down the beach and walks over these rocks. And then, boom, there's a house in the middle of fucking nowhere. And it's a pretty cool looking house, aside from all the wood paneling. Um, yeah, it looks like a UFO in the 60s. Right. So he walks up to the door and, you know, gives it the, the, the old knock, 
as as you do, um, as one does, yeah. And uh, the door opens, and you know, on the other side uh, stands this guy that he just doesn't seem to have any recognition for. But you know, his dad left when he was five, so okay. So he uh, says, you know, I'm, it's your son, Norval. Yeah, I got your letter. Yeah, neither one of them, neither one of them seems to recognize the other. Yeah, and just stare at them like they're complete strangers, and uh, or stare at each other like they're complete strangers. And says, "I'm your son, Norval. I got your letter, and I wanted to come." And so uh, he, he invites him in, um, uh, and uh, it's just it's it's a very strange situation, very uncomfortable. Um, it's super uncomfortable because uh, Brian, his dad, is um, like at, at first he's he's very welcoming, like excited to see him. You know, come in. You know, God, it's been forever. Blah blah blah. But then, over the course of the visit, you know, I think there's probably a few days in at this point. Um, things are just getting progressively weirder. Brian is acting more and more uh, erratic and. Starts getting like standoffish, yeah, like insulting uh, and um, you know a, a abusive. Um, and I love I love the part where they're at dinner and he asks him, he says, "Do you want some wine?" He's like, "No, I I, I don't drink. I had a, a problem with alcohol dependency." And then his dad just stares him in the face as he pours an entire glass full of wine. <laughs> And then starts chugging it. Pounds it like it's a fucking soda or a glass of water or something. Um, so, yeah, things are just getting really strange. Um, and Norval's becoming more and more uncomfortable. He, he calls his mom's, you know, just basically explaining the situation. You know, things were fine at first, but now it seems like he doesn't want me here. Um, and he confronts... Yeah, he starts... He's, he starts overhearing phone calls that his dad is having, and he's like, you know, basically saying, "I don't want him here." Right. And Norval's just like, "Why the fuck did you write me then?" Yeah. After his dad <clears throat> threw his his uh, one of twenty gold iPhone designed by Lord in the water, was that what I, I heard him say that there was only twenty of them in the world? But I didn't really hear what the significance was. Yeah, it was a gold iPhone made with real gold designed by Lord. Jesus Christ. Anyway. Um, yeah, so they get into a fight. Actually, God, you know what? You know, I was watching this movie, and... there, There's, there's a twist in the middle of the movie. There's a pretty big twist halfway through, yeah. So, like, half the movie is a spoiler. It's kind of something you see coming, I think. Um, but at the same time, like I don't want to intentionally just reveal it. But I feel like saying that there's a twist is a spoiler in, in and of itself. Um, yeah, I guess you know maybe I'll just I'll I'll just leave it there because I don't I don't want to spoil it. Um, to say that. Uh, this this visit becomes more and more uh, violent and conflicting and 
Norval just doesn't really know what the fuck is going on with his dad. Um, you know, he left when he's five years old, but he's definitely not the man he remembers. And, you know, his, his mom keeps reassuring him that, you know, just to get to know him. Um, and, you know, his, his mom has told him nothing about his dad. And, you know, um, like they're sitting in the living room and like they don't, they know nothing about each other. And so Norval, he's sitting talking about how he's this musician. Um, and or I guess Brian says that he, what he did before he retired was a limo driver. And so he drove, you know, he drove celebrities around all over, all over the place. And Norval says he's been in his share of limos and, Says, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a musician and I'm a pretty big deal. You know, even as a viewer, you don't really know much about him. Um, like I count Kendrick Lamar and Chance the Rapper as my closest confidants. Right. <laughs> He's such and a when fucking douchebag. I know. And it's like when he starts saying things like that, you kind of start picking up on the fact that he's full of shit. Um, and uh, he says... You know, he's, he's, yeah, he says, like, Kendrick Lamar and Chancellor Rapper is his, are his friends. And his dad says, anybody I would actually know? He says, oh, well, uh, Elton John. I'm uh, friends with Elton John. He, he kind of discovered me, you know, this and that. And his dad says, well, you, you've got to be fucking kidding me. What a small world. Because I was his personal driver for 10 years. Let me give him a call. He'll be, he'll, he'll get a kick out of this. And. That's when Norval kind of breaks down and says that he's, you know, he's not actually friends with um, Elton John, and you kind of pick up on the fact that he's not like successful like he claims to be, and you know, he's not famous or anything. Just another rich douchebag. Um. Anyway, so yeah, things he probably just start DJs. To- he probably DJs in his mom's art gallery or something, <laughs> right? So things just kind of start breaking down between his dad and things just start getting weirder and weirder as the movie goes on. Um, and yeah, I think that's kind of where I'll leave it. I don't want to start spoiling the movie. Um, and then Tires shows up. Right, yeah. <laughs> tires from Space and, and Shot of the Dead and other stuff. He, he was in... What else was he in? He's in... Uh, his real name is Michael Smiley, which I just love. <laughs> just an ugly son of a bitch with like a super thick oh, yeah. accent <clears throat> and oh he was in uh, World's End well that would make and sense and other stuff I mean, but Birkenhair anyway. I don't remember him that <clears throat> anyway um, so uh, what what do you think Taylor it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, so it, it's not a horror movie. No, it's it's a bit of a thriller. Kinda. But it does it does have uh, some some bloodshed. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's, it's not... pretty gory scenes. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but it's not. I mean, you could call it a thriller, but I think just barely. Um, but, like, 
you know, the way they marketed this, at least the way I interpreted it, was very, very much a, th- a thriller, uh, you know, even a horror. And it's 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 definitely not. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this was, this was being covered on all the horror sites, so I kind of thought it was going to be more of a horror. Yeah. And in the but, in the middle, it does kind of give you the impression that it's it might go in like a supernatural direction. Yeah, that it could. Um, yeah, I don't want to say too much about that, but yeah, it's super difficult to talk about this. <laughs> yeah, it's like I wish I would have known that going into it because I, I may have picked something else. Um. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, I guess just the, the film it, on its own credit is is well done. I mean, it's. It's it's fun to watch, um, even if it isn't horror. It's 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 well done. Um, I love Elijah Wood. Yeah, I I haven't seen much that I didn't like him in. Um, I mean, there have been things, sure, but he he does a pretty solid work. Everything I've seen him in, um, and uh, yeah, and he, I, I feel like he. He knows how to pick his projects because he doesn't typically do bad ones. Yeah. Um, and Stephen McCaddy, um, he's, uh, I mean, he's he's been around forever. I think uh, thing that I recognize him most from is uh, Watchmen. Um, the movie or the show? The movie. He was the original uh, Night Owl. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I'm having a hard time coming up with things to talk about because can't talk about almost three quarters of this movie. <clears throat> um, it's entertaining to watch, I guess, because there is, you know, there are some um, chaotic scenes, and you know, like I said, C. McCaddy, he was he was great because he plays this character that just seems like completely unhinged. And for, you know, the first quarter or so of the movie, you don't know why Norval's dad has fucking lost his mind or if he was already always like this or if there's just something wrong with him that made them this violent maniac. Um, I mean, he's clearly a drunk. Yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> he was drinking at breakfast, so it's usually a pretty good indicator. Yeah, when Norval first gets there, when when he drops his phone, he's like, "I guess I shouldn't have had that second beer for breakfast." <laughs> right. <laughs> um. But. Uh, and then he's just pounding a bottle of wine. He's like drinking straight out of the bottle of wine. Right. Later. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you know, Brian, he's fucking crazy. Um. But you know, Norval is. He he's. He's weird. He seems like kind of a douche, but he's also kind of got his his own hangups, and um, like he's he's not as maybe normal as he projects. Um, it's just an odd movie. Yeah, I mean, like I said, he he you know says that he had alcohol dependency issues, and mm-hmm. the. Uh, the, the the woman in it 
when she first showed up, did you kind of get the feeling that she was interested in him? Yes. And then he tries to hit it, and she's like, no. Yeah, yeah, she's like and not even shuts like, him down. Yeah, it's not. It's not even like she was like having second thoughts. It's like she was denying that she was ever putting those vibes out to begin with. Right. Okay. So it wasn't just me. No. It was. Yeah. I mean, she wasn't explicit. No. But I mean, when a woman's playing, it definitely coy, seemed like they were flirting. Read between the lines. What? It seemed like they were flirting. Yeah. Or at least she was flirting with him, because he was so fucking awkward, bud. <laughs> um, also, also, his dad calls him a rat fucker? <laughs> I was like, that's not an insult I think I've heard before. Yeah, and like, not like he fucks rats. Yeah, not, not like he, like, you know, fucks rats in the ass or anything, but he's like, no, you shove rats up your vagina. <laughs> yeah. But he uses I was like, like what the, is happening? He, he uses the four letter C word and he just he keeps saying it. He says it so many times. He just says it and says it. Yeah. And just louder and longer and Um Yeah, that he says like he's gonna kill him and, and then leave him out in the woods and then the cops are gonna find his skeleton with a rat with a with a dead rat in his pelvic bone. <laughs> You know, where your vagina was. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it, uh, it it's well done. It's well shot. The, the story is interesting, um, although it was not what I was expecting at all. Um, That's funny, because if you look on IMDb, it lists it as a comedy thriller. Mm-hmm. I don't. I didn't really get comedy out of it. Like, yeah, it was funny when he like called him a rat fucker and stuff, but it's like, those, those aren't really jokes per se. Yeah. Like, yeah, there were funny parts, but it didn't seem to me like it was explicitly funny. Yeah. (laughs) Or intentionally, I guess. And I mean, his mustache was funny. Um, it was funny and his stupid fucking haircut. God damn it. Um, it's like, it's like he went into uh, like hair and makeup and just like, just make me look like as big of a douchebag as you can. Well, they nailed it. Um, they did nail it. Um, yeah, it, it, not so bad. Um, it, like knowing now that this is the same guy that did Greasy Strangler, this is much is a much different film. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, you know, where Greasy Strangler was like, like incomprehensible. <laughs> um, yeah, just off the wall. Yeah. This was strange, but not in the same way. Like, it was just like, like so many times you're just like, where the fuck is this going? What is happening? Right. Um, whereas, you know, Greasy Strangler, you know, you're kind of wondering what's happening, but like, you're wondering like. Was this even supposed to make sense? <laughs> yeah, you're not expecting it to go anywhere. You're just like, yeah, this is just some things that are happening. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, everybody in the film did, did a really good job acting. Uh, it was well shot. Um, yeah, I mean, no real complaints, I guess. Um, I 
Yeah, I mean, like, it, I don't know how, how much replay value this has. Um, it's kind of one of those. It's true. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, all right, well, I've seen that. I, I don't really need to see it again. Um, especially because you've seen the twist already. Yeah. Um, but, one thing that, that really stood out to me that I... <laughs> I don't know why I need to bring this up, but uh, at one point somebody is like, you know what this is? This is a pen covered in shit. (laughs) My shit. And I'm going to stab you with it. And then the shit is going to get in the wound and get infected. How's that for a slow burn? (laughs) What the fuck is going on? (laughs) Who comes up with that? It's like, oh man, that's fucking savage. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, just like kill somebody, like after torturing them, the like the their eventual death is from septic shock because you stabbed them with a pen covered in your own shit. Right? <laughs> Explain that to someone. Although you are putting your DNA all over the crime scene at that point. True. Um, but, yeah, no, it, 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 it's fun because it's, uh, you know, if you're into, uh, you know, violence and not so much gore, just a lot of, you know, blood splatter, I guess. Um, it's entertaining. Somebody gets stabbed in the taint. They do. So many times. Just a so lot of times. Many. Um. Yeah, I don't really know what else to say. Do you have anything? I think I hit all the hot spots. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I I I wish we could talk about more, but I really don't want to give away any of the surprises. So uh, I I do think this yeah, is worth to... seeing. So I don't want to ruin it for anyone. I mostly just wanted to talk about the rat fucker and the shit pen. So <laughs> right. <laughs> Those are the important parts. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. So, yeah, like I said, uh, it's a pretty solid movie. Um, it's entertaining. Um, don't know what kind of replay value it has. Um, so be forewarned uh, before making any purchases, I guess. Um, but, uh, no, good movie. Um, from a, a director that he's, uh, developed quite a, uh, quite a good string of, films under uh, he's got a, a good string of films under his belt at this point i think um you know he's got deathgasm and greasy strangler and turbo kid which i still haven't seen but <laughs> wait this guy did turbo kid yeah oh fucking loves turbo kid yeah uh let's see um wait you said he did oh deathgasm no sorry he, too? Pr- he pre-produced it he didn't direct it or write it which one deathgasm or turbo kid turbo kid Oh, okay. And you, yeah, wait, I think let, Triple Kid was directed by like a trio of like Montreal people. Wait, hold on. He didn't do Deathgasm either. Um, he must have just been a producer. I knew Deathgasm was directed by either a Kiwi or an Aussie, so I didn't well, really question a, that one. But it's a Kiwi movie. So. Um, yeah, it's directed by Jason Lee Howden. Um, That's right. 
I don't see his name anywhere on the Wikipedia page, but I just assume it's probably producer. Let me... But he did do Greasy Strangler, right? No? God damn it. You're the one that said it. They produced it. You're just, you're just making shit up. Well, I'm just looking at his Wikipedia page. They cite him as working as doing these films, but they don't say exactly what he did on them, so I just kind of assume he's a director. Oh, I guess they do say he's a New Zealand film producer, best known for producing. Okay, sorry, I didn't read the whole sentence. <clears throat> he did. He's a co-founder of the 48-Hour Film, uh, film Fest. No shit. Oh, sorry, just the New Zealand one, not the... Oh, you're wrong about that too, huh? <laughs> Developed from the U.S.-based 48-Hour Film Project. The only other thing he's directed is a 1996 short called Crab Boy. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this was his debut, its directorial debut, as far as a feature film. Yeah. So, um, but, uh, um, let's see. Oh, he also produced Field Guide to Evil. So he knows his way around films. Um, oh. I really like the opening shot when when uh, when uh, what's his name Norval first gets to the to the house and he's like standing outside the the door and you just see like his silhouette and then that silhouette of the house it looks really cool yeah uh, anyway so yeah um, solid movie worth a watch. Um, uh, yeah, but I mean, it, it's not horror. It's got some, some. Uh, I, I, you, you could call it a thriller. I would use that um, definition lightly. I think. Um, but it's fun stuff. So, I think I'll give it a seven. Okay. Hey, what's going on? What is going on? My computer, my computer didn't want to didn't want to record your your rating. Um. I was like, nah, fuck that guy. I am <laughs> um, also going to give it a seven as well. Good, good. For the reasons that you said, just uh, ride my coattails. Well, yeah, just you know, make my job easy. <clears throat> all right so up next we have the new one from uh joe bigos called vfw oh lord oh there you go you've been at this haven't you i have uh-huh to us still here still here you know where you are kid in the uh vfw post how about we close the bar down early tonight what do you got going on the best birthday that freddie ever got It's Q&A time, kid. You see, the problem is that me and my old friends are probably going to die tonight unless you help us out to understand what's happening here. You steal this? Foz killed my sister, all right? This, though, it's all he's got his whole life. V-F-W. What is that? Veterans of foreign wars. Good. Soldiers are good at dying. There's 
only one satisfactory solution, and that is we get our product back, and each of you die. You were a soldier. So we all. Let's act like it. We set a perimeter. We make our stand. You'll all die very, very slowly. You last. But what are you gonna do? Do it. Because you make a mistake. I'm gonna cut your heart out. You and me both know this ain't the only option. We can push Miss Teen USA right back out to the way she came in. It's for you that we're doing all of this. Hey, I never asked for your goddamn help, Gramps. The second you walked through that door, we was duty-bound to help you. Let's go. Joe Bagos, or as his friends call him, Joey Bagels. Joey Bagels, yep. <laughs> uh, th- this premiered alongside Bliss at some film festival that I don't want to bother looking up right now. Some fucking festival. <laughs> um, Bliss went straight to Shudder, and this is harder to find, but it's you know it's on the streaming networks. You just got to pay for it. <laughs> you gotta pay. Uh, so in this movie, there, the the opioid crisis is out of control, and there's a new drug out on the streets called hype, and it's basically turned the at, at least this city wherever wherever this takes place into just a, a total dystopia, and the streets are just empty except for people out there doing drugs and fucking in the streets. Just fucking all over the woods. All over the woods. <laughs> um, but then we've got our, our ragtag group of heroes. These veterans of foreign wars. Uh, played by Stephen Lang. Who of course was in Don't Breathe. Uh, Death himself. Um, <laughs> uh, fuck, I'm blanking. Billy Sadler. Yeah, Will Sadler. Sadler. Uh, Fred Williamson from from Dust Till Dawn, and others. Martin Cove from Karate Kid. Where is he from? Karate Kid. Oh, yes. Cobra Kai. Never die. Sweep the leg. Never die. And then fucking Norm. And, and Norm, right? George went of House fame. House fit. <laughs> did you uh, um, when he when he first showed up on the screen? Did you go Norm? I absolutely did. So did I. <laughs> <laughs> but so they're all anyway. hanging out in their local local VFW hall, uh, twenty four ninety four, and they're they're just drinking and bullshitting and talking about pussy hairs and all kinds of stuff. And, uh, as, as you do sure <laughs> and this young kid comes in he he's fresh off uh, a tour of duty in 
the desert. I don't think they ever actually specifically say where, but I'm guessing Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, he's the, the, the token millennial. Right. Uh, and they say, you know, no, nobody pays for drinks the first day back. So they round him into their little group and they all start drinking. Meanwhile, on the other side of town, the resident drug lord, a guy named Boz, not played by Brian Bosworth. I think they had a real missed opportunity there. Right? Uh, he, He's not doing anything. Not that I know of. <laughs> He's, like I said, he controls all the hype in town. He's got his uh, his cronies, which, of course, it's a Joe Bigos movie, so they're played by Graham Skipper and the world's largest editor, Josh Ethier. Right. Um, Graham Skipper plays his brother, who, do you remember what his name was? Um, not off the top of my head, no. Um, well. Rhodey. And then, I think Josh Ethier was Tank. Yep. So this one girl overdoses on hype at the at Boz's little drug den, and her sister, a girl named Lizard, in order to try and get revenge, steals all of the hype and just takes off running. And so in order to get her back, Boz gets on a loudspeaker and he says, hey, Lizard has stolen all of your drugs and she's running away. And so now mm-hmm. you've got this entire horde of just hyped out uh, drug deal or drug addicts chasing lizard through the streets. And so, of course, where does she go? The VFW hall. Naturally, for some reason, <laughs> I guess it was just like across the street. Yeah, because this drug den is like was it an old movie theater? Or? <clears throat> That's what it looked like. Yeah. This is what it looked like from the outside, but inside it was just like nothing. Yeah, there's just a big like glowing marquee outside. Um, but yeah, inside it just looked like a fucking drug warehouse <laughs> or something. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you now all these drug addicts are trying to break into the VFW hall to get their drugs back, all because little lizard. And so now you've got these septuagenarians who got to fight off all these cracked out, hyped up, crazy maniacs. Yep. Yep. Yeah. There, so, I mean, that's, it's that's basically what the, all there is to it. <laughs> yeah. It's. I mean, then then just the rest of the movie is just a big fight. Yeah. It's just like taking down all these fucking drug addicts like they're like I don't know not even not even zombies just I don't know yeah I mean they are they're I mean they're kind of like mutants yeah there's there's a, a strong uh very strong street trash vibe going on here sure yeah if if you asked Joe Bigos what his inspirations were for this movie and Street Trash wasn't at the top of the list, I'd be pretty surprised. <laughs> um, the look, 
the the look of it is also very Return of the Living Dead because you've got like the the drug the dealers all look very punk, all kind of uh, Mad Max almost. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely got a strong Mad Max vibe from it, um, which is you know kind of par for the course for for Joey Bagels. Um, he uh, he he loves his eighty throwbacks. Um, even the soundtrack was very very eighties. Um, you know, it, it sounded the soundtrack it sounded so much like uh, the the soundtrack from the original Terminator. But I was convinced it was the same composer. It, it, it's not, but <clears throat> it sounded so similar. Um, but very eighties, like down even to the to the soundtrack and, and the setting itself. Even if like you know, you're talking about this being like this kind of um, um, dystopian, you know, setting. Even that kind of imagery was very eighties. I'm thinking like uh, like um, like RoboCop or something. Yeah, and very pink and blue. Joey Bagels yes. loves his pink and blue. He does. It was very dark though. It was. I had I had a really hard time seeing a lot of it. There was a uh, like, really sweet uh, making. Uh, Making weapons montage, which I always appreciate yeah. those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was fun. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's it's fun to see all these old timers do do a, an action movie, um, and you know to be badasses, even though they're all pretty far up there in years. But they're still soldiers, right? And yeah, and that was the thing is like they're not just like just these helpless old men they all came from the you know the majority of them from vietnam um so they're well versed in these kind of like guerrilla tactics which does kind of make me wonder like what obviously this is supposed to be the not too distant future if not the present yeah like i mean i didn't really necessarily get a lot of future are like futuristic aspects. No. Um, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, aside from it being very um, surreal, like obviously this is not a world we live in where this fucking street gang of drug addicts is just running the city. <laughs> right. Yeah, You. they never <laughs> even like mention anything about the government being taken down or anything like that. It's yeah. just everyone, I guess, is just hiding in their homes or. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird. Um, but no, it's, it's fun. I mean, I, I like these guys, um, you know, uh, Stephen Lang, I, I really like, I really like Bill Sadler. Um, and, you know, Fred Williamson, he's always fun. Um, Martin Cove, it was interesting seeing him play a bad guy or a good guy because you just immediately go to him being, um, uh, John Crease, uh, right? Um, but no, it's 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 a good time. Did they ever use the grenades? Uh, I only saw them use it once. They like made a big deal out of them, and I expected them to be more of a, a prevalent thing. Yeah, they, they made several of them. They, I only saw them use one, uh, unless they used all of them all at once. I don't I don't really know. Oh, they made um, these grenades out of tennis balls filled with gunpowder and then just, like, have matches sticking out of them. 
Yeah. It's like during the montage, they made a point of like showing them building those and then handing them off to people. And then he handed them off to somebody else. And it's like, I thought it was going to be this big thing where they had to, to use all the grenades at once to, you know, blow down a barricade or something. But that never comes to pass. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I saw him use it once. I don't really know if it was just the one or if it was all of them or what. But that's actually something they put in. Uh, if you ever read the, the Anarchist Cookbook. Um there's actually something in there called the um, tennis ball grenade. There, basically, you just stuff a tennis ball. Actually, I probably shouldn't be saying this. <laughs> I shouldn't be instructing people on how to make a tennis ball grenade. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, so it's a real thing. That's all you're saying. <laughs> yes, I don't know if it's necessarily how they made it, but. It's it's similar to a real thing, but yeah, um, like I said, it, it was fun watching these old guys, you know, kick ass rather than just a bunch of younger guys that you know you may not heard of or don't really care about. Um, these guys that you know kind of made their they they got famous, you know, twenty thirty years ago. Um, Rather than being, you know, somebody like uh, Graham Skipper, where he's just become popular in the last, you know, five years or so. I was I was expecting Graham Skipper to be more heavily involved just because it was a Joe Bigos movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, going into this, I, I didn't know it was Joe Bigos. Um, and so uh, when I saw it, when I saw Bigos's name pop up on screen, I'm like, "Oh, so Graham Skipper's going to be in this?" And then, like seconds later, he popped up. I'm like, oh, there he yeah, is. Yeah, he's like one of the first people on screen. Yeah, and then he's he's gone almost just as fast. <laughs> but, and same with Ether too. Ether was in. He was in it longer. A good, a good, good amount of the movie. Yeah. The the guy who played Boz. Just, I don't know. He didn't work for me. Yeah. All of the younger actors, with the exception of the guy that played Sean, who was the, who was the young soldier. Soldier, yeah. Um, he Like, all the younger actors, just by comparison to these guys that have been doing it for decades, just comparatively kind of sucked. <laughs> I thought the, the girl was okay. The one that looked like Alicia Keys. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, she was okay. I think kind of near the ending, um, where she had more dialogue and more screen time, she was kind of chewing the scenery a little too much. Yeah. Um, she was like, are you ready to die, old man? That The way she delivered that line was... Yeah. And, like, the girl that played Lizard... Um, her, she emoted well. She 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 stood in a scene well. Um, but it's like when she would start delivering lines, that was when her whole thing kind of started to break down. And the guy that played yeah. Oz, he just I don't know, it wasn't working for me. He just he wasn't intimidating to me. Yeah. You know, when you think of somebody who's like 
who's running like this drug ring. Yeah, like and, a kingpin. Yeah, and has like this, you know, presence where he can command people around, you know, whether they're foot soldiers or, or drug addicts. You'd think somebody a little more, yeah, intimidating. Like like Josh Ethier. I'd probably believe that much sooner. I I, I think Graham Skipper would be, would have been good in that role. Sure. He's got those intense I, intense stares. Yeah, like Ether was good as the muscle. Yeah, <clears throat> I just remember them both being like they were good playing off of each other in uh, was it also almost human. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I thought this was a lot of fun. It's it's very very stylized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, as far as like, like I, said, story, I got a strong. You go. As, as far as story goes, it's kind of thin. I mean, it's not a bad thing. It's just not super story driven. It's just it's more action, which is fine. If you're going to make an action movie, you yeah, know, fill it with action. It's a it's a siege movie. Yeah. Yeah, think of uh, you know like um, uh, was it Attack on Precinct Thirteen, Assault, Assault on Precinct. Yeah, that's the one. Um, similar to that. Um, I don't know. I'm having a hard time thinking of something else right now. But <laughs> <laughs> under siege. Sure, name siege in the name. Sure. <laughs> You know, any other Steven Seagal movies? <laughs> um, yeah, solid, solid movie. Um, I think that this is probably uh, of the Bigos films I've seen. Uh, I think this is probably my my favorite one. They're the one I enjoyed the most. I, w- I would agree. I've I've heard Bliss is really good too. I like just since we I started reading stuff about this. I mean, that's as recently as I've heard of Bliss. So, oh, it's on Shutter. I'll check it out. I'll check it out. You know where the weight room is? <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I feel like Bigos is kind of uh, you know, coming into his own as a filmmaker. His his past movies were a little little frantic. This one is a little more uh, a little more streamlined. Yeah, um, mainstream. I think it, it's not as um, I guess out there. It's a little uh, and you know his his being so stylized in his other movies, um, and conceptually being so kind of off the wall and super. Um, you know, super eighties and super sci-fi. Um, this one is much less clunky, I think. Um, yeah. and flows much better. Um, I can I can respect him wanting to have this kind of um, uh, you know, outside the norm element to his work, which I think this has to a degree. But it's definitely more mainstream and and kind of, I think will find a broader audience than his other stuff. Yeah. Very violent too. Very violent and very, uh, that's what I appreciate about it. Is that what you appreciate about (laughs) it? 
it's not super gory, but there are, you know, there's head explosions because it's a Joe Beagles movie. Right. Um, yeah, a lot of, like, just, like, over-the-top blood spatters. Yeah. Blood and guts. Yep. Yeah. Anything else? Uh, I don't think so. All right. Anyway, um, you want me to go first, or are you gonna go? Uh, I'll give it an eight. That's kind of what I was thinking too. It's uh, I think it's well earned. It's a solid movie. It's uh, I think this this easily could have been like as far as the concept could have been done with some changes with younger guys. And so I like that he he took this story about these old soldiers um, that are, you know, long, like not even just guys that just got out in like the last 10 years, guys that have been out of it for decades and made them kind of into action heroes. Um, and uh, yeah, I, th- I thought that was fun. So, uh, well, yeah. it's like these guys too, like outside of, of Lang, aren't really known for being action heroes. The, the uh, actors. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, I mean, it's fucking Norm. Like, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the guy that's probably... Well, I don't really know Fred Williamson's career all that much. Um, but I know, like, Will Sadler, he was in, like, Die Hard 2. Um, so, I mean, he, he's been around action movies. Oh, Okay. So Fred Williamson in 1974 played the title character in a movie called Boss N-Word with a hard R. Oh. Jesus Christ. I mean, like, I, I kind of, I knew about him that he was very big during the black exploitation days. Um, uh, oh boy, he was in MASH, the movie. His name was Dr. Oliver Spearchucker Jones. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, boy. He he just absorbed it. He's like, you know what? I'm going to make these roles mine. I'm going to own it. <laughs> it's all right. I'm taking it back. <laughs> he was in uh, a movie called The Legend of N-Word Hard R Charlie. Playing the title role. <laughs> uh, and the sequel, The Soul of Inward Charlie. Wow. Boy. Anyway. Okay, so I guess he's 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 kind of an action star. Because, I mean, from Dust Till Dawn, he was did a lot of action. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like you said, like, Norm, definitely not. Um, scrolling, through, uh, scrolling through Fred Williamson's... Uh, filmography. There's there's a lot of explosions. So. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, Martin Coe was in First Blood. Oh, it's, oh no, Rambo Two. Sorry. I guess I didn't realize they that. They drew First Blood. <laughs> um. Anyway, Fred Fred Williamson was also in A Stone Cold Christmas. So. <laughs> Which unfortunately does not have Steve Austin in it. Missed opportunity. Right? 
But yeah, these I I, I liked these guys in this movie. Uh, it was fun to to watch these old guys kick ass. Um, you know, showing them how the old timers do it. Well, yeah, because you've got Boz who thinks they're just going to be these pushovers, even though he knows they're soldiers. At one point, right. he brings up the fact that they're all soldiers, but he still just thinks they're just going to be pushovers because they're old, you know old men. Right. And they show him how <laughs> they do it old school like the old school. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, yeah. So um, both solid movies. It's it's nice to do an episode with two movies that we liked. Um, both of them are available on VOD. And, you know, you guys aren't doing anything right now. At least, if you're responsible, you're not. You're on lockdown shouldn't be. in your homes. So, shouldn't uh, be doing anything. Should not be doing anything. Uh, so, here's a couple movies from your old buddies, the Grave Plot Podcast, that uh, come with uh, high praise. So, um, check them out. Um, and that's going to do it for this episode, guys. Our first <laughs> i don't know we might be doing this remotely again oh christ just burped <clears throat> well there we go we might be doing this remotely again in a couple of weeks i don't really know at this point i'm i'm guessing we will be probably i mean this isn't gonna, gonna go away i keep hearing that it's gonna get worse before it gets better and i'm i'm waiting for the day when i hear that it's just gonna get better <laughs> yeah right Especially when we have, like, uh, an incompetent asshole running things. Yeah. that's That's been entertaining. That's it's, it's a fun thing to see. Did you see the video where he was talking about the deep state and then the, uh, not the CDC guy, but the, the Fauci or whatever his name is? Yeah. Just, yeah. like, put it, just put his head in his hand? Yeah. It's like I can't believe I work for this asshole. And then it was like bump 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 <laughs> Except it really wasn't funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. I just really hope that people like even people that voted for him last time uh remember how badly this is going in November. Yeah. It's like, remember all, all those times when you were like, well, you know, I don't know about all the racism and stuff, but he's going to be really good for my 401k. Yeah, check that tomorrow morning. And let me know how right. that went. Yeah, and remember uh, all those times in uh, February and March where you're like, man, I hope my grandparents don't die. <laughs> or I hope my, my, my loved ones with uh, compromised immune systems don't die. Too much fun. Anyway. So. Anyway. That's going to do it for the episode, guys. We'll be back in a couple weeks. Taylor, what are we going to be watching? We are going to be watching the new werewolf movie, Hunter's Moon, as well as The Furies. The Fury. The Furries. (laughs) Different movie. Different movie. (laughs) All right, so look out for that, guys. Uh, And uh, we'll have a bunch of uh, social distancing fun. Hopefully we'll have horror business. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we could just talk about the state of the world for 
half an hour. I mean, that, that'd yeah. be fun. <laughs> um, so really long real world horror. Right. <clears throat> um, and yeah, hopefully this turns out okay. I mean, the two remote episodes we've done in the past have been... Well, no, actually, one of them was okay. The other one, your mic fucked up. Um, yeah. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see how this goes. Uh, till then, Taylor, where can people find us? They can find us uh, at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever fucking podcasts. Uh, as well as on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube as Grave Plot Podcast, or on Twitter as Grave underscore Plot. Patreon.com slash Grave Plot Podcast if you want exclusive content. And uh, that's it. Sweet. Rate, review, and subscribe. I'll send you, was it stickers? Magnets. Magnets. We still got shitloads of magnets. We got so many magnets. They're just sitting in my closet. I just got a box of magnets. I should just stick them all to my fridge. Just cover my fridge in magnets. You should. Your wife will hate it. (laughs) Sorry, wife. This picture from our anniversary? Gone. (laughs) It's under there somewhere. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so back in a couple weeks, guys. Until then, I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. And this has been the Grave Plot Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside. Fuck!